Hey, come on, good morning, Go Church family. Anybody love Jesus in the room? Come on now. Ooh, you look good, man. What a good looking group today. As a matter of fact, look at somebody right next to you and tell them, say, you look really good today. Go ahead and just encourage them. No matter what campus you're at, you're looking good today. Here on the south side of Atlanta, our broadcast campus, west side Atlanta campus, on the amazing property of City of Refuge, or if you're in Montgomery County, Maryland, or even those of you watching online today, we greet all of you. We say, God bless you. Good morning and welcome to Go Church. Come on, can you put your hands together? Greet your brothers and sisters at all of our campuses today. Hey, and while you're clapping, how about we show honor and appreciation to our military men and women first responders. Come on, would you put your hands up real quick if you have served, you are serving. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Take your volume up just a little bit. God bless you, God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, it is so good to be home. Kimberly and I, we love you all so much. Last couple of weeks, we've had a chance uh, just to travel a little bit. We were at a tremendous fundraising experience and weekend with City of Refuge which was one of our beautiful legacy partners. And then last weekend, my son and I went to Buffalo, New York, and I got to preach at Winterfest, a youth conference. Listen, I prayed for and laid hands on over 1,000 students. Come on, somebody. It was awesome. And so it's good to be back home here today. And uh, I wanna make a personal invitation to you as as your pastor. You know, uh, on Vision Sunday a few weeks ago, We shared a lot about the legacy offering that you gave in the month of December. The uniqueness of that offering is you give it in December of the previous year. We give 100% of that offering away in the next year to all of our legacy partners. So we talked about that on Vision Sunday. And then we also talked about our Go Kids renovation project that will be happening right here at our broadcast campus. As a matter of fact, depending on what parts of the building Uh, You'll be walking through the next few weeks. You'll already see some small projects happening to prepare us for that bigger project. For example, there's a Go Gear shop that used to be right here, my right, your left, that's now becoming a larger space for move track because during the Go Kids renovation project, all of our children will be in the gymnasium area and go portable while their brand new $2.5 million kids space is being completed. Come on, isn't that awesome? Okay, so... All of that to say this, here's the invitation. On Thursday night, March the 14th, I'd like to invite you to our Legacy Dessert Reception. It's absolutely free. There's no cost for you to attend. This is for any campus. It's gonna be right here in this room at our broadcast campus. As a matter of fact, to kind of make it a little sweeter, I'm gonna offer you cheesecake and coffee. Come on, you can't go wrong with that. How many of you know the Lord is in a slice of cheesecake? And coffee is in heaven, so um, we want you to come and and be a part of that night. We'll talk more about the legacy offering and the partnerships that we have in 2024. And then I'm gonna show you a lot more pictures and vision for the Go Kids Renovation Project. The only thing we ask for you to do is to RSVP. You can scan the QR code, you can go online or the app. That way we know just how many slices of cheesecake to get. It's gonna be a great night of vision and community and faith building and I'd love for you to be a part, all right? Today, though, we get to start a brand new series. It's a four-part series. I'll be doing each Sunday in this series, and we're calling it Set Apart, Set Apart. So if you're taking notes, which I encourage you to do, you can, you can message uh, the top of your notes, Set Apart, and then week number one is gonna really be focused in on how holiness is for me, holiness is for you. And the whole series is about the pursuit of holiness. And really we get the the title of the the series and the thought of pursuing holiness from God's commands all throughout scripture. Uh, Today I'm gonna show you a lot of Bible, a lot of Bible. You okay to be a part of a church that preaches the Bible? Come on now, can I get an amen? I'll show you a lot of Bible, but I'll give you one verse as kind of our theme verse for the whole series. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 14. I'll read it one time. And then I'll invite all of our campuses on the count of three to read it together aloud. So here's me first. It says this, pursue holiness for without holiness, no one will see the Lord. All right, can we read it at every campus on three? One, two, three, pursue holiness for without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Can we do it one more time? One, two, three, pursue holiness for without holiness, no one will see. Heads bowed, eyes closed, let me pray. Take just a few seconds, concentrate your thoughts, invite the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. 
After a few seconds, I'll lead us in a corporate prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, Father, this has been my, my heart's prayer um, in, in preparation of today, but, but beyond that, and more importantly than that, just as uh, a believer in you, a, a Christian, a Christ follower, I wanna be more like you. I wanna be less like me. I certainly wanna be less like the world. I wanna be more like you. You must become greater. I must become less. So I believe that's the heart for every person here today. It's why they're here. It's because they believe that there is a greater power, that there is a God, that through intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit, we can pursue holiness in the things of God. So I pray that this word would speak to the hearts of every person. I give you thanks for the opportunity. Anoint me and anoint the listener. And at the end of the day, may we look back and be able to say, it was good to be in the house of the Lord. In the name of the Father who loves us, the Son who gave his life for us, the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside. And the church said, amen and amen. All right, now for King Jesus. Come on, let's put our hands together. Bless the Lord. Come on. Now you got a little bit better in you. Come on now. Uh, as we talk about this idea of pursuing holiness, I'll start with of this thought, it's not on the screen, but I would encourage you to, to lock it into your heart and into your mind. You can even write it down. But holiness is the standard of living for the believer. God is abundantly clear all throughout the scripture about his call on our lives for us to, to go higher and to grow in a deeper, more intimate relationship with him. And he sets the standard for us. I mean, as a matter of fact, I would suggest this to you, uh, and I'm not looking for affirmation or applause or you know, for you all to, to brag on your church, but I do hope that you are proud to be a part of a church that believes in calling the, the, the members, the congregation to a higher standard, to God's standard, and not just tolerating or putting up with the sins of the world, I hope that you appreciate and can even uh, be encouraged by the fact that what you do is not more important than your soul. And, that, and I, I try not to talk about other churches and other pastors and leaders, you know, but I, I hope that you would recognize that if you have sat or will ever sit under a, a pastor or a leader that, that doesn't care about the standard of holiness that God is calling you to, then that individual probably cares more about your gift and talent and what you can do for the church and for them, then they care about your eternal salvation. So let me say it to you like this, uh, no apology. Uh, I don't want you to be frustrated or mad, but I'm calling some stuff out because God has assigned me to lead this church and to take us through scripture and on this faith journey. And at the end of the day, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, but there is a standard and the standard is holiness. So you followed me on Instagram. But when I follow back and the stuff I see, there's been a season where I just kind of turned a blind eye. I'm not turning the blind eye anymore. I'm calling you out. And not only am I calling you out, but I hope you call me out. Iron sharpens iron, right? We need to be accountable to God and accountable to one another and recognize that sin is what will separate us from God. And I care far too much about your soul far too much about the spiritual condition of your heart and your home to let these sins slide and to watch you go off the straight and narrow. No, 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 we're gonna walk the straight and narrow together. Can I get an amen from like 150 people, all right? Now we've all messed up. We've all got stuff. We're, we're all in a, in a journey together. But whenever we talk about pursuing holiness, uh, there, there's a lot of truths that we have to realize with that. But I'll, I'll give you three just really quickly as we kind of begin this whole four-part series on the idea of pursuing holiness. The first one is if you wanna pursue holiness, you've gotta to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within you. For those of you that have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are, you are wired with power. And there's an Indian proverb that, that talks about how inside of every human being, there are two wolves, 
two dogs. And every day that you wake up, these two dogs fight each other. They're at war with each other. And so the Indian proverb goes on to say that whenever it's asked which dog will win the battle of the day, the response is, whatever dog I feed the most. So if you feed the appetite of the flesh more than you feed the appetite of the spirit, you better believe that you'll get caught up in the trap and the temptation. You'll take the bait, the lure of the enemy. But if you feed the appetite of the spirit and you walk not according to the flesh, but you walk according to the spirit, then it's the Holy Spirit's power that can keep you on the straight and narrow. I wish I had like 50 people. Come on now. So that you can walk and pursue holiness. So you've got to have the Holy Spirit's power. Secondly, there is going to be diligence and effort that is required for you to pursue holiness. I'll actually talk a little bit more about that specifically towards the end of the message. So I'll come back to unpack that one in a moment. But then thirdly, as you pursue holiness, I want you to know that it's going to be a lifelong pursuit. And here's what I mean by that. Um, whenever God reveals to you an area, uh, an area where, where you lack, an area where you're off alignment, an area that has been overtaken by sin and addiction and bondage and whatever, that when you really begin to focus in on that area and you pursue holiness, at least this is what I've learned in my life, as soon as I start to feel like I'm getting better in that area, a little more holy in that area, God in his sovereignty then reveals other areas of deficiency in my life. So as soon as I think I have arrived, thus saith the Lord, you ain't even gotten started. Look at somebody say, you are a work in progress. Come on, like that's all of us, right? That's why the Bible says, this is what the Bible says, that we must pursue holiness. The Bible doesn't say you will obtain holiness. It's, it's a process. So salvation happens in a moment. Confess your sin. Repent of your sin. Call on the name of Jesus. Accept him as Lord and Savior. And in that moment, you are saved. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Any Christians thankful for that? Come on. You accept Christ. Salvation happens in a moment. But watch this. Sanctification. Consecration. Being set apart. Pursuing holiness. That doesn't happen in a moment. That happens in moments. All throughout your life, God is setting you apart and chiseling away at the hardness of your heart and the sin that's in your life. I, I, I say it like this, and I think it'll make sense for, for almost all of you because we all have a testimony. It works because I have initials as a, as a first name, but there is a BCJC. Okay, some of you are like, I don't know what that means. There is a before Christ JC. How many of you know that BC person, the old you, before you met Jesus? Come on. Right, so there is a BCJC, but now I am in Christ. I am in a personal and growing relationship with the Lord, but I have not fully arrived yet. I'm still a work in progress, so this is how I say it. I'm trying to be holy, but I'm still just a little hood. Can I get a witness? Come on. I'm trying, man. Like, I'm trying to do what's right, but I'm, I still got a little hood in me. Come on, I'm from Tampa. Let's go, somebody. Like T-A-M-P-A, -A, Bombay, if you ain't headed south, you're headed the wrong way. I'm from Tampa, right? That's where I grew up. So I'm trying to be holy, but I still got a little hood in me. So I say it like this, pray for me, don't play with me. Look at somebody and say, that'll preach right there. So I'm, I'm on this journey because I know that my, my heart's desire is to pursue holiness, but I know that there are days that I'm going to miss the mark. The Bible says in Romans that we have all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But I know too that when I am committed in this walk with Christ, that whenever I begin to grow and mature and, and become more wise and try to be more like God in that area, then immediately God begins to reveal these other areas in my life that I'm deficient and I need work and I need growth and I need maturity. So whenever you think about holiness, that, that word holiness, this is rhetorical, but what comes to mind? Now, here's what I love about Go Church is uh, we've got such diversity here, uh, diversity of ethnicity and, and age. And, you know, we've got diversity of faith backgrounds. So we talk a lot about this. Uh, some of you grew up in church. How many of you grew up in church? Let me see your hand, hands down. Some of you didn't grow up in church. Where are you at? That's a lot of you. 
Uh, for some of you, you grew up Pentecostal. Where are you at? Yeah, some of y'all got two hands in the air. Like, hey, you know, so for some of you, this is your very first Sunday. You don't have to raise your hand. This is your very first Sunday in church. Um, some of you grew up in a different denominational upbringing. And so, so again, like those experiences or lack thereof, those memories or lack thereof, what, what you knew as a child, what you've experienced today, all of that, they're different. And so they define what holiness looks like or what holiness is to you. So for some of you, the, the word holiness, the concept of holiness, it's foreign. You've, you've never even heard of it before. It doesn't even make sense. Others of you, uh, maybe a younger generation, you think, well, holiness is, is old-fashioned. It's archaic. It's outdated. It's countercultural. And that one is true. It does go against culture. Um, for, for some of you, you know, it's this, I'll give you a list of three or four, but it's unattainable perfection. So you get really frustrated at the idea of holiness because, again, you know what that process is like, that as soon as you begin and you feel like you've arrived, then you gotta begin again and then begin again and begin again. And so it's like, why even try if I'm never going to arrive? Uh, for some of you, holiness is an attitude. It's that, that holier-than-thou attitude. Uh, maybe you've thought that about somebody or maybe even somebody has said that about you. Uh, what does is, what is holier-than-thou mean? It's where someone acts like they are morally superior to you, like they, they've got it all figured out. You, you know anybody like that? You know, and so it's like, well, if that's what holiness is, I don't want anything to do with that. Uh, for others, it's when you think of holiness, it takes you back to your childhood upbringing where holiness was very specific to a style of dress or maybe even mannerisms. So it was... Uh, Bund hair or beehive hair, no makeup for the ladies, no jewelry, which I tried to tell Kimberly. I mean, I don't know why you want all the jewelry. If you want to be holy, every kiss begins with K. Um, you know, it's no makeup, no jewelry, long dresses, bund hair. Uh, others, it's a series of religious rules. So that, there, was, there was this upbringing, and there are still churches and denominations that teach holiness as rules. You, don't you drink, don't smoke, don't go to the movies. My grandmother wouldn't drink Coca-Cola because she thought it had cocaine in it. Somebody in the first gathering said, it used to have it in there. Maybe it did, I don't, I don't know. Um, don't dance. There, there's a, a Christian institution that had, a, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, but they had a demerit-based system years and years ago. So if you got 100 demerits, you got expelled from school. So they kick you out of school if you got 100 demerits. Well, if you were caught in fornication, you know, intercourse, sexual intercourse outside of marriage, it was 99 demerits. But if you got caught dancing, it was 100 demerits. So the joke was, is college students that were caught sleeping together, they would say, or, or caught dancing rather, they were caught dancing at a party, they'd say, no, 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 we were just sleeping together. Does anyone get kicked out? Can you? So again, like it's a series of religious rules or dress. Now, let me say this. I don't know if all of these are right or wrong, but I will tell you that if you define holiness as religious do's and don'ts, then you are at a real threat to becoming just like the Pharisees, that they refuse to practice what they themselves would preach. You wanna talk about hypocrites, and people say all the time, well, I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. And you've heard me say this before, but go church isn't full of hypocrites. We always got room for one more. Come on, somebody. I, that's us. We got room for one more hypocrite because we're all in this process. We're all in this journey. So I would just be very careful that if you want to define holiness, don't let it be defined by man. Define holiness by God's word. Does that make sense? I've been reading a great book on, on holiness by Jerry Bridges. And in one of the chapters, he, he kind of gave this uh, working definition or thought about what it means to be holy. So I thought I would use it for our, our, our conversation today. But here's what he says. To be holy is to be morally blameless. It's two things. It's to be separated from sin and then consecrated to God. So consecrated to God means to be set apart for God. 
So let me say this, and then I'll come back to the sin part here. But if you wanna be separated for God, right, set apart for God, rather, then that means you gotta be separated from the world. Let me make sure you heard me. If you wanna be set apart for God, you gotta be separated from the world. And then he says, but it also means you gotta be separated from sin. Now, what is sin? I refuse today to give you a laundry list of sin. I'm not gonna tell you what sin is for you or for me. I do know this, and you've heard me say this a lot, even this year, the closer you get to God, the greater your convictions become. And the things that you used to be okay with and tolerate and allow and dismiss and overlook and you were numb to, when you get into this personal and growing relationship with Jesus and you start pursuing holiness, the Lord, what does he do? He reveals those areas in your life that you didn't even know were sinful. And he says, be holy for I am holy. Does that make sense? So I'm not gonna give you a, a laundry list of sins, but I'll define sin as this. Anything that separates you from God, sin is anything that you would put before your relationship with God. Sin is anything that you depend on more than you depend on God. Now, now again, I, I could give you a variety of examples from, from, from big to seemingly insignificant decisions that we make, but at the end of the day, look at this, sin is sin. And if it takes the place of God's place, then it can become an idol, it can become a lowercase g God, and that sin could keep you eternally separated from him. So if you wanna get this working definition, then understand that holiness has two parts. It's separating from sin, and it's being consecrated to God. It's being set apart for God. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, the word holy in various forms is used over 600 times. Now, I always tell you, if it's in the Bible one time, you should like consider it. If it's in the Bible 600 times, hello? Like God's trying to get your attention here. And over and over and over again, we read about God's commands to be holy. As a matter of fact, there's one entire book of the Bible, the book of Leviticus, that is specifically written talking about um, sanctification, consecration, being set apart, the difference of things that are clean versus unclean, the difference of things that are pure versus impure, the call of God to be holy. If you're reading the Bible chronologically, we just finished a couple days ago the book of Leviticus. It's not an easy book to read, it's hard, it's challenging. But at the end of the day, here's one verse out of Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44. And this verse right here really is the theme of the whole book. For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves. Set yourselves apart and be holy because I am holy. And here in the beginning of scripture, we see this constant theme, this foundational basic understanding for the Christ follower, for the Christian, that our heart's desire must be to pursue holiness. And this is found all in the Old Testament all the way through to the New Testament. Be holy because I am holy, says the Lord. The Apostle Paul gets in on writing about holiness. He writes to the church at Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter four, just a few verses here. He says, this is God's will for you. Have you ever asked that before? Like, God, what's your will for my life? This might be the, the biggest question that anybody ever asks us as pastors. I wanna know what God's will is for my life. It has nothing to do with the profession. It has nothing to do with what you make uh, for a living. Now, he gives you gifts and talents, but that's a byproduct of the command of God for his will is for you to be holy, for you to be different. For you, can I just kind of preach for like 10 seconds old school for a minute? Like if you are in Christ, you shouldn't talk like the world, act like the world, dress like the world, be like the world, live like the world. No, 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 you are different, different. God says, be holy because I am holy. And then Paul says here, it's God's will that you're holy. And then he goes into dealing with some of the sins of the church at Thessalonica. And he says, stay away from sexual sin. Each of you should control your own body and live in holiness and in honor not in lustful passion like the pagans. Pagan people are those who don't even believe there is a God. I'll come back to this in a minute, but 
You ever hear somebody say, don't judge. Don't judge me. Okay, that is for the unbeliever. We can't judge the unbeliever because they don't know how to act or behave according to the word of God. But if you are in Christ Jesus, it's not judging you. It's calling you to a higher standard. It's looking at, the Bible says in Matthew that we will know you by your fruit. Everybody good? So look, the pagans, the people of the world, of course they're gonna act that way. Why would we ever be surprised with how they act? They don't know that there's a different way. They don't know that there's a higher standard, but you do. And watch this. And so because you know that, now you're held accountable. Does that make sense? All right. So they don't know God. They don't know his ways. Verse six, never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this matter by violating his wife for the Lord avenges all such sins as we have solemnly warned you before. Verse seven, watch. God has called us Christians sons and daughters, the church, to live holy lives, not impure lives. And again, I love you enough as your pastor to help you see that in you and to know that this sin that the enemy has trapped you with is that you don't have to be bound to that. You can be free. My Bible says in John that whom the Son set free is free indeed. Come on now. You can be free. And Paul is writing in contrast to the immorality and the impurity of the lost world. And he says, for those who are in Christ, you must live a holy life. A holy life. Oh, I feel the anointing even right now. If you will allow God, the Holy Spirit, to speak to your heart today and over these next few weeks, many of you will begin to lay some things down. You'll just begin to lay some things down. It's not even a matter, some of it's not even a matter of heaven and hell, it's just about being holy, walking the straight and narrow and giving God your all. That's my prayer. Like I wanna give God my all. God, you have full control, you have full authority of my life. And if there is any area in my life that does not honor you, I wanna be done with it. Can I get 100 people that would agree with me on that? Like as a personal conviction, call me out. Call me out. Call me out. Call me higher. I wanna be a better son of God. I wanna be a better father, a, a better husband, a better pastor. I wanna be a better Christian. I try to tell you, standing on this platform is one of the most honoring opportunities of my life, but it comes with, with the spotlight comes with a spotlight. So I've gotta be very mindful, not because I'm trying to live my life for man or please man, I'm living my life for the audience of one, but I want you to be able to follow my example as I follow the example of Christ Jesus. So Lord, whatever I gotta lay down, I'm gonna lay it down. I've told you this before, but you know, uh, not too long ago, I, I was watching Netflix, one of my favorite comedians, and the guy just gets on there and starts telling jokes, and ladies and gentlemen, I think I'm funny. I write my own jokes, come on now. My kids don't think I'm funny, half of y'all don't think I'm funny, but when you all get saved, you will laugh. It's funny. I'm watching Netflix, watching, and the guy starts using language. And I, seemingly out of nowhere, whoosh, conviction. Be holy, for I am holy. And what happens, I wanted to justify. Yeah, I'm just, it's just a show. It's just for, be holy, for I am holy. You know what? Not one of you would ever know if I watch that show again or not. You wouldn't know that. But my heart is to be obedient to the Father. So I turn the flipping show off. Turn it off. And you know what I am? I'm better for it because I obeyed the Lord. So God calls us to live holy lives, all right? Let's, go, let's look at Peter. Peter says in Peter 1, Verses 14 through 16. So you must live as God's, there it is, obedient children. I'm not advocating for spankings or child abuse, but if you are a disobedient child, there are consequences. And I think this is a big problem with, with the, the big C church around the globe. Too many Christians, you are only hearers of the word, you refuse to be a doer of the word. But you can't just hear the word. You gotta live the word, do the word. And he says, you gotta live as obedient children. And watch this. I don't know who this is for, but don't you slip back into your old ways. Don't you go back. God's grace snatched you out of that old life. 
Anybody thankful for that? God literally plucked you out of that old sinful life that was sending you straight to hell and God saved you. Don't you go back and let your friends say, oh, you're just holier than thou. Let me tell you about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't give me power so I can be better than you. The Holy Spirit gives me power so I can be better than me. Can I get an amen from somebody? I'm not trying to be holier than thou. I'm just trying to be better than who I used to be. I know the BCJC, and I don't ever want to slip back into that old way and satisfy my own desires. Watch. I didn't know any better then, but now I do. And because you know better, now watch the call. Now you got to be holy in everything you do. I am fighting every urge within me not to give you a list of things. But in everything. Taxes are coming up. Just a little cheat on the deduction. I mean, the IRS ain't going to miss it. No, you're right. And I've told you this before, if you're here at Go Church and you work for the IRS, I love you. <laughs> Got a great friendship with the IRS. But that one little area, that one little area of compromise. Kimberly and I had to go car shopping the last few weeks um, to be able in those moments to talk about not just what we need, but even the potential of what we're trading in to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Because is fabricating an opportunity or just keeping out some of the, the facts of the matter or only telling the parts of the story that need to be told? As a matter of fact, if you don't believe me, look at your pastor. I called Dustin. Raise your hand right there. Dustin, right there. And I said, should I like tell them all of it? And he was like, well, pastor, um, Probably should tell them all of it. In every area. In every area. Do you see the grand picture? This is challenging to be holy. Why? Because the scripture says you must be holy because I am holy. John says in Revelation 22, watch. Let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm. Let the one who is vile continue to be vile. He's not advocating for sin or giving permission to sin. He's just contrasting the difference of those who are outside of the faith versus those who are in the faith. This is what John says in a different translation of the scripture. You do you, boo. But this is how we're called to live. For those who are righteous, continue to live righteously. Let the one who is what? Holy, continue to be holy. I told you a lot of Bible. Paul goes to Ephesians, the church at Ephesus. And watch what he says. He says, throw off your old sinful nature. Throw off that old former way of life. Tell me that's not those two dogs that are fighting every single day. Every day. Every day the world is trying to pull you back, lure you back. Listen, businessmen and businesswomen, in those meetings, the old you would have, but you aren't the old you. You are now a new creation in Christ Jesus. Moms and dads, the old you would have handled that situation this way, but the new you, the one that's pursuing holiness, Oh, now you can see that through God's eyes and through a different lens and perspective. That old life, watch, it was focused on corruption, lust, and deception, but not, not this new life. This new life is focused on God's standard and not being like the world and not behaving like everybody else. Are you hearing that? Watch verse 23, and I highlighted the very first word just because in my, in my prayer time and preparation, it gripped me. But Paul then says, instead, and I don't know why that fires me up so much, but it does. Because Paul is using that word instead to simply remind us or powerfully remind us that there is a better way. That you don't have to live like that. That in Christ Jesus, there is a higher way. There's a new way. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the gospel. That that old you can completely die off and there can be a new you. And watch, this is what we talked about in the beginning. Instead, you've got to let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts. Renew your thoughts. Let the Holy Spirit renew your attitudes. I'm not taking the word of God out of context. Just hear my heart for a second. Let, let the Holy Spirit convict your friendships. 
and the shows you watch and what you do socially. The Holy Spirit. And then he says this. He's, it's, like, it's like clothes. I'm only gonna take my jacket off, by the way. So just, he says, uh, put on your new nature. Woo, y'all don't know nothing about that. I went to college to learn illustrations just like that. Put on your new nature. I'm a new man. I'm not the old JC. I'm not the BC JC. I'm, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus, and watch, and I am created to be like God. Now, I underlined this because I didn't want anybody to, to be mis, misinterpreted. Uh, I, I didn't want to be misinterpreted or misunderstood. You were not created to be God. You're not created to be another God. But in Genesis, the Bible says that in the beginning, God created man in his image. God created you in his image right? So we are created to be like God. What is God? God is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Here's one, self-control. So that means, let me tell you, the before Christ JC, this is bad grammar, but good preaching. I want none of that. None of that. But now as a, a, a follower of Christ, pursuing holiness, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, I can operate in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But that old man, woo, he just tries to rear his ugly head sometimes to get me to go back into that old life. Kimberly and I, we were out driving uh, the other day and we pulled into a, uh, a gas station parking lot she was driving, I was in the passenger seat and we both felt mutually it was a wise decision to switch drivers. <laughs> and <laughs> we were led by the Holy Spirit and when the Lord speaks, you just, you obey. And we pull it in and she gets out of the car on the, the driver's side, I get out on the passenger side and the kids are in the back seat and, and, and this, I know, I know it's hard for you to see you know, exactly kind of the, the area, but it was a gas station. There was, there was a kind of one way in, one way out, but it was a real narrow road and our vehicle was a little wider and so her door's open, my door's open and all of a sudden this driver pulls in that gas station, you know, road and I mean like on two wheels. I'm talking like flying and I'm not exaggerating inches from not only hitting our car but from hitting Kimberly, like inches. I took off that new nature real quick. How, come on, can I get an amen from somebody like, pastor or not, I'm about to beat you down and then I'll pray for your healing. I will punch you in the throat, pray for your healing and then invite you to go church. Like that, that's how this is gonna work right here, right now. You ain't gonna come in. So I don't, listen, I'm sorry, but I turned hood. I got so, I got so angry. I wasn't, I was so frustrated. And I don't know what, but I, like my blood pressure, like you, how many of you, you got a little age on, you remember the Incredible Hulk? Like the, like the TV show? You know, and y'all, I am shredded, I am jacked. I was so fresh, I was so mad. And, and they're driving, man, they're driving fast and Kimberly screams, she was scared. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And they're like, I'm going, I'm in a hurry going to a meeting. And I was like, you about to meet well, you're about to meet. Well, it, it turned out positive as the, the person drove off, they waved at me, <laughs> albeit with one finger, but it was a courteous wave. Okay, can I tell you the truth here? Look at me real quick. I wanted to wave back with one finger so bad. <laughs> I did. And then two thoughts came into my brain. Thought number one, they probably attend Go Church. I've seen some of y'all drive. I, and then number two, I'm about to preach on holiness. Like I can't be flipping people off and be like, hey, be holy for the Lord is holy. But this is that old person. And, and that, I've thought about that moment so much because probably, and I'm not some like, you know, trying to build up a resume of some hardcore testimony and, you know, I wasn't some bad dude. 
but in a different life, that would have ended a whole lot differently than how it ended that day. You know how it ended? We got back in the car and we just began to pray, Lord, thank you for your protection. Like, thank you for your grace. Like, thank you for your angels that were surrounding us because that was intense, you know? And then thank you, Lord, that Kimberly will never drive again in Jesus' name. Like, <laughs> but it got me thinking. It just got me thinking. Uh, I want you to look at this. Why do so many Christians look more like the world around them instead of the God who is in them? Why? Pastor JC, don't judge. I'm not judging you. Like, it, if you are a Christ follower, ladies and gentlemen, it is my primary, like, responsibility pastorally to make sure that you are living a higher standard of morality and Christian ethics and values and pursuing holiness. Why, why, why is it so many Christians? They, they don't look any different than the lost world. Again, we should... We should be living our lives differently because we know better. We know better. And again, I'm not, I'm not listing anything. I'm not, that, the Bible says you work out your own salvation. You pursue your holiness with the Lord, right? You pursue holiness, the Lord will convict you. But I think there are at least, just for time's sake, and I can do this in just a couple minutes, hang with me. There are at least three problems that keep Christians from really living out this walk of holiness and they look more like the world around them than the God who's in them, all right? So three problem areas. Sure, there's more, but just for time's sake, I'll give you these three. The first one is this. I think we have a bad attitude. We have a wrong attitude. Our attitude towards sin is more self-centered than it is God-centered. So <laughs> I, this is meant to be funny. I gotta like, let, make sure you know that, but I've been a sinner my whole life. I was born a sinner. So I've got decades of experience with sin. Anybody with me? Okay, so personally, I know how my heart feels when I sin, but pastorally, I got over two decades of pastoral experience and people coming in and talking about the sin. And watch this, almost every single time, even in my own repentant confession and moments of prayer with the Lord, it's always self-centered. I'm disappointed in me. I'm upset with me. I, I, I lost the battle. I gave in. I messed up. I'm a failure. I did it again. That's self-centered. And as long as you keep focused on yourself as the object of what's going on, you'll, you'll keep falling into the trap. When really, your heart should be grieved because of what that sin does to the heart of your father not what the sin does to you. Every time you sin, you break the Father's heart. He grieves when one of his sons or daughters falls into the trap of the enemy. But we don't view sin as that way. What, what we do is, we, and I hear it all the time, I wanna walk in victory. I got the victory. I'm gonna challenge your theology just for a moment, you ready? But I think God actually wants you to walk in obedience, not victory. He wants you to be obedient. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to have victory and be free. What I am saying is this. If you'll just walk in obedience to God, then victory is the byproduct of the obedience. But if you keep trying to be victorious and trying to be free, but you refuse to obey, it's a habitual cycle. Because obedience is oriented toward God while victory is oriented towards self. I think the two most powerful prayers of repentance in the Bible are, are these two. The prodigal son, Luke 15, verse 21. The prodigal son returns home, and what does he say? He looks at his father, whose arms are open wide, and what does he say? I have sinned against heaven and against you. Wow, here's what he says. I've sinned against my heavenly father and I have grieved and broken his heart and I've, I've sinned against my earthly dad too. You see that? Psalm 51 verse four, King David, after he committed the sin of adultery with Bathsheba, he records this prayer of repentance. And what does he say in verse four of Psalm 51? 
He says, against you and only you have I sinned and done evil what is in your sight. He looks at God because he recognizes, sure, there are consequences that I'll experience because of my sin, but at the end of the day, my sin has broken the heart of my heavenly Father. If you can move from self-centeredness to God-centeredness, and every time you mess up, you get on your knees, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for breaking your heart. I know better. And you've given me the power of the Holy Spirit to do better and be better and to walk this straight and narrow. Ladies and gentlemen, it changes everything. But as long as you keep looking at you, you'll get caught up in that undercurrent of sin and its cycle. Secondly is this. I think many Christians misunderstand what it means to live by faith. And here's why. Because most of us don't want any responsibility. Well, the Bible says I live by faith. So God, good luck with making me holy. Ladies and gentlemen, that mindset is no different than me going to the gym every day and just standing there looking at the weights. By faith, I'm gonna get a six pack. Now, I'm not gonna lift any weights, I'm not gonna do any work, but I'm here. Now, I'll get in shape, but it'll be round. It's a tough crowd. These jokes are so good. Now, watch, sure you should live by faith, but the Bible says faith without works. You got a part to play. My brother, oldest brother Lee is a strawberry farmer. He farms north of 100 acres in Plant City, Florida. Um, I, I, I can almost guarantee you that at some point in your life, you've eaten one of his strawberries from his farm. Fantastic. And uh, here's what I know about my brother and farming, even though that's not what I do. I can't even, like we can't even keep a plant alive. Um, but farmers, or Lee, my brother, they don't just walk out in the farm and say, you know, about six months from now, we're gonna have a harvest and just stand there and watch. That don't make any sense. You know what they do? They plow, they plant, they fertilize, they cultivate. And then the Bible says in Galatians that if you don't quit, if you faint not, you'll reap a harvest in due season. So the point is, is that if you want to experience holiness, pursue holiness, you can't put it all on God. Good luck with me. There are disciplines and areas that you need to work on. Does that make sense? And then thirdly is this, and as we wind down this message, don't, don't lose focus here and I'll pray for you. I don't think we view all sin as serious sin. I think you categorize sin and you categorized your sin by the things that you would never do because you know, oh, that's an abomination to God. And we are so good at calling out everybody else who's caught up in that sin. But then we justify our sins. Eh, it's not that big of a deal. Again, it's just my taxes. Or it's just one, one test that I, I cheated on or whatever that looks like. Ladies and gentlemen, at the end of the day, no matter if that sin is the most gut-wrenching, heartbreaking thing we could ever see to something what is so small and insignificant, sure, the consequences are vastly different, but they grieve the heart of God. And sin, big, little, or don't miss this, or even secret sin, it's still sin, and it separates you from God. Don't categorize your sin. Just say, Lord, if there's areas of my life that I need to submit to you, then I wanna lay it down because I wanna be more like you. They'll make this large right here on the screen for us. Uh, you can take a picture because it probably won't be up there long enough to write down. Uh, I just wanna encourage you in your prayer time just to really begin to kind of pray this thought as you pursue holiness. I must begin to look at sin as an offense against the holy God instead of looking at sin as a personal defeat only. I've gotta take full responsibility for my sin. No more pointing fingers. Realizing that as I do, I must depend on the grace of God and I must decide to obey God in every area of my life, however insignificant that area may seem. Let me pray for you, heads bowed, eyes closed. Jesus, today as we close, I pray for every person 
that is a part of Go Church at any campus today that's heard this word. Lord, I pray that you would begin to reveal those areas that you want to chisel away. You just want to chisel away. Hallelujah, Jesus. Somebody's getting set free even now. Generational curses are being broken because you're revealing these areas. I hear this. I'm praying for you, but hear this. I feel the Holy Spirit. What the father or mother does in moderation, the child typically does in excess. Let us stop those things now. Solomon said, it's the little foxes that spoil the vineyard. No matter the sin, whether it seems big or, or seemingly small, it grieves your heart and I gotta lay it down. I gotta lay it down. It doesn't honor God. It doesn't edify the church. It doesn't build up the family or the brothers and sisters in the faith. So I gotta lay it down. I, I'm not like the world. I'm called out. I'm different. I'm, I'm set apart. You, I know your truth. I, I know the standard. So there's an expectation now. So I can't just justify my behavior. So today, right here, right now, I lay it down. As a matter of fact, every campus, nobody looking. I'm gonna count to three. If you've got unconfessed sin in your life, areas that, that you need God's grace and his power to help you stay obedient to his word so that you can overcome and be victorious. I'm gonna count to three. I just want your hands to go up. One, two, three. Come on, let me see your hands. Dozens, hundreds. Lord, for every hand that went up today, you know their heart. That hand raised doesn't make them saved, but them accepting you as father, receiving your grace and mercy, stepping into a personal relationship with you, asking you to be the Lord of their life. Lord, yeah, that, that's the process there of salvation. Now, whatever next step you need to take, you gotta take it. Water baptism, get in a small group, go to move track, go to counseling, get accountability, but pursue holiness. So for every hand lifted, we give you thanks, we give you glory, and we give you honor. And we're chasing hard after you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Don't clap yet. Stand on your feet. And I want you to give Jesus a standing ovation and probably over 100 people that said, you know what, I need Jesus to be my Savior. Come on. Let's go. Come on, come on, come on.